You are listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Scott McFarland. We hope you enjoy. I really did not know that Journey was the last hope of the Jedi to fight the evil force, but we found that out today. I don't know about that, but after you watch that, don't you feel like, hey, skip the rest of the church. Let's just go to a movie. No, just don't do that. Great to have you celebrating fathers today. Thank you guys for your investment in your families. And I know the pressure is on you. I know it's difficult to be a dad, but I'm grateful for your efforts to do the best you can in being the father on earth. And we all can appreciate the father in heaven who loves us and is our compassionate God. We've been worshiping him this morning and we're grateful for our dads on earth as well. What a morning though. It's been great, right? We've, uh, we've got to worship the Father in heaven. We've got to celebrate dads here. Uh, we got to do communion. And I just wanted to take an aside before I get into the message today out of 1 Samuel 16. I wanted to just pause for a second and talk about June 19th. Maybe you don't know this. You didn't realize this. This has become a national holiday this particular day. It's called Juneteenth. And if you don't know what that means, let me just educate you. Um, That was the day that a general was dispatched by Lincoln to go into Texas, Galveston, Texas, and announced to the slaves that they were all free in Texas. It was a big deal for them. It was the Emancipation Proclamation, and that is a day that we now as a nation have set aside to remind the world that we are no longer enslaved to any man. There is no slavery to mankind. Come on, as Christians, that should be like our mantra that Jesus came to make sure all men are not only created equal, but are free from sin and free from the slavery that bondage tries to hold on us. And uh, we celebrate that for what our country finally figured out. And we especially appreciate that as believers in Jesus. Amen? Amen. So if you're wondering what today is, June 19th, Juneteenth, it's the day we celebrate freedom. And we as believers should be the ones that are talking about that. Uh, In 1 Samuel 16, we get into our message today about Samuel. It's the last story of Samuel as as a living person. We're going to get into that. And I thought because it's Father's Day, I'd focus on it from the standpoint of what God notices in a man. Now, it is Father's Day, so I thought I'd tell you a few stories or a few things before just to test you guys as a dad. And I'm wondering, do you know what Boaz was like before he got married? Yeah, that's not fair. You heard that from first service. Boaz was ruthless. Come on. It's Father's Day. I'm allowed to say dad jokes on Father's Day. You know who the greatest comedian in the Bible was? Greatest comedian in the Bible? Samson. He brought the house down. Come on, that's funny. You know who the best babysitter in the Bible was? Moms are not going to like this one. You know who the best babysitter in the Bible was? David. He rocked Goliath to sleep. I can keep going. Do you know when Adam was born, what time of day? A little before Eve. 
Yeah. Where's the cane? Pull him off the stage, right? It is Father's Day. I want to honor fathers. Gustavo Aheche was listed in the New York Times as one of the many uh, workers that were keeping New York City running while the pandemic was at its worst. Most people were locked in their homes. People were hiding basically from the virus that was rampaging through the city. Only essential workers were allowed to work and Gustavo was one of them. And not only did he do his current job in construction, building areas and doing construction jobs to keep main important functions alive, but he took a second job on during the pandemic to deliver food at night to those people who needed food and couldn't get out to buy it. He was working two jobs, exhausted every single day when he got home late at night. And not only that, but his wife was serving as a nanny for a family, and the family moved in the midst of the high point of the pandemic back to North Carolina. So she left and moved with the family to take care of their children and support that family so that they could make an income. Why? Not because they wanted the money, but because they were supporting their family back in Guatemala with the money that they both were making while they're trying to help people. The news reporter for the New York Times asked Gustavus, what made you keep going when you were so exhausted? I mean, why did you keep doing it when that, those two jobs were exhausting you and your wife was in North Carolina and you're trying to make money for people in another country? And he said, well, it really wasn't about the money. It was about people. I loved serving People. And he said, every single time I delivered food and a family would be in tears saying, gracias, gracias, God bless you, God bless you. Thanks for helping our family. Thanks for helping us through this crisis. It motivated me to keep on going. Today, I wanna to talk to men about what God notices in a man. We're gonna look at three different men in this story, Samuel being the first one. And what I want you to see, and this is specific for men, even though women, I want you to tune in because not only does this speak to you, he notices the same thing in women, but it also shows you what to look for in a man. If you're single, you need to listen to this carefully. And if you're married to somebody who's like this in, in any aspect, you need to be grateful because these things are the things that God notices in a man. He's going to make it very clear in 1 Samuel 16 as we look at the last story of Samuel. We've been covering different stories of Samuel's life. We've seen a progression in his life throughout the whole book, all the way through these 16 chapters. And we've noticed in each stage of his life, God has something new that he wants Samuel to demonstrate and show all of us what he notices. He notices our heart cries instead of just the words of our prayer. He notices our consecration instead of just our intention. He notices a nation that witnesses for him instead of serves themselves. And last week we talked about he notices when we fall short of his glory instead of turning and becoming the leaders of people that bring him glory. And today we're going to talk about what he notices in a man. It's in 1 Samuel 16. Samuel is at the end of his life. All of the successes, and many of you guys know what I'm talking about. You've talked about this way. I've talked this way. You get to this stage in your life. You've been working on your life. You've been serving people all your life. been taking care of your family all your life. And you sooner or later get to this moment, even quietly, where you're just like, when is my time? When have I done enough? When do I get to get a break? 
When do I get to quit working and enjoy some things in life? Anybody other than me have those feelings at all? Notice that God doesn't take notice of all your accomplishments. He takes notice of your hunger. He's going to show it in this passage. Start with verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel. Now, Saul has been rejected as king. He has failed as a king twice now. And Samuel's mourning it. And the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. Now just, just pause for a second and realize what's going on here. Samuel cared deeply for Saul. I don't want you to miss that. For Samuel, when he passed the baton of leadership to Saul as king, he invested everything he could through the rest of his life into this new king. He wanted Saul to be successful. He wanted Saul to lead well for the sake of the nation that Samuel was praying and caring for. He, he wanted that baton pass to work so that some of the burden comes off of Samuel and comes on Saul and together they can lead the nation closer and closer to God. And Saul failed at this. And it broke Samuel's heart. To some extent, it's not in the text, this is my opinion, but to some extent, Samuel feels not only responsible for Saul's failure, but like everything he's done in his life has gone to waste. I tried. You ever been there? I tried to raise my kids the best I could. They didn't listen to me. I, I tried to work and do the right thing at work. They didn't follow along. I, I tried to be the right citizen in the nation and didn't really matter that people just went their own way. I'm done. I don't know what to do. And here's Samuel mourning the failure of his leader. Can I, before we get into the text and what this teaches about what God knows is in a man, can I just say a word to all of us that are Americans and especially believers? When was the last time you mourned instead of gotten angry at a leader? When was the last time you cared enough for a leader's success instead of pointing the finger of criticism at them? When was the time you cared about helping them do the best they can instead of dictating and demanding from them what you want out of them? Maybe, this is just a thought, Maybe if the church would rise up and care and pray for its leaders instead of always criticize them, we'd get a little bit further along. That's where Samuel's heart is. And God says, okay, you've done that enough. Why are you going to keep living in the past? Why, why do you keep mourning what you want from the past to be resurrected and come back now? Why do you keep reaching back to the old days, hoping somehow you can pull that into the present instead of moving forward to where I want you to be in the future? Quit living. This is a great message after a pandemic. Quit trying to bring the old back and move forward to the new. You ever... Remember 1 Corinthians, the old is gone. The new is here. 
Quit mourning the past and move to your future. What a message to Samuel. And I want you to see this clearly. God is not noticing Samuel's mourning. He wants to notice his hunger to go. He's not happy with us sitting around waiting for God to do it all. He wants us to be a part of what God's doing. He wants us to go with him. And that doesn't necessarily mean, okay, that means I got to leave California. I got to leave somebody. I got to go. All he's saying is he wants you to go with him where he's going and do what he's assigned you to do instead of trying to live in the comfort of the old. And that's a tough lesson for us, especially men. It's the way God designed it. He wired us that way. I was remembering a friend who years ago when I was a young person, he wanted to go fishing. He had never fished in his life, never even cast a fishing line into the waters, never gone to the lakes of Ohio and do it. So he, so he got a book and he started reading books and magazines about fishing. He found out what the best fishing lines and fishing reels were to buy. And so he went to the store and bought from the sporting goods store the right fishing equipment and tackle and a tackle box. And then he got the right bait to go fishing with. And, and he read a little bit more and he learned how in his backyard to cast the line out and to wheel it in. And he was doing that really well. And then he scheduled a boat to go out onto Lake Erie. He wanted to go to Lake Erie and catch some fish and then bring them home and cook them all up and have some fish for dinner. The only problem was he never caught a fish, never caught a thing, never pulled one in, never grabbed one on the reel. You know why? Because he never went. I've noticed something about fishing. If you don't throw the line in the water, you're not catching any fish. Come on. You don't even have to be a fisherman to know that, do you? Friends, if you don't, take a step forward, you're never going to progress. If you don't have a hunger to go, you're never going to go anywhere. And God notices a man who hungers to go for him, not sit on the couch and play video games, not hang out and expect everything to happen for him or her. God's looking for some people who want to go. He's ready to use them. So can I ask you, are you hungry to go? Not hungry to leave, hungry to go. Last week after services, a couple of our little kids grabbed a bunch of those little flyers for the Making Waves VBS coming up. And their parents took them to the houses of their friends on a Sunday afternoon and they passed out, they personally, six-year-old and four-year-old passed out these little flyers to their friends. Hey, come to VBS for us. Come to VBS with us. Come to... They got 10 or 11 friends coming to VBS last week. It's amazing what God can do if you're just hungry enough to go. Look what else we see in Samuel's life with another man here, starting in verse two. But Samuel, he's hearing this call. That's a great guy. That's fantastic. I've always gone for you. I'll still go for you. But wait a second. How can I go? 
Because if Saul hears that I'm going to anoint somebody else as king, guess what he's going to do? He's going to kill me. And the Lord said, just take a heifer with you, a cow with you, and say to Jesse and his family, I've come to make a sacrifice to you. And by the way, just pause there for a second. Samuel is the only prophet, especially in the judges period, that I can find where he actually went to the people to bring God's word to the people instead of making them come to the tabernacle to hear from God. He went to the people. I love that about Samuel. So he goes to Bethlehem. God tells him, invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You're going to anoint the one for me that I indicate. So Samuel did what the Lord said. He gets out on his goat. He starts walking off, going off to Bethlehem. And when he arrived to Bethlehem, the elders of the town, they're trembling because here's the prophet of God. Oh my gosh. It's like the pastor coming to my house. Something bad's going to happen. Come on. Samuel, do you come in peace? Oh yeah. Yeah. Samuel says, I come in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. So consecrate yourselves. That means wash up, get yourself ready, prepare your heart, prepare your body, prepare yourself to come before the Lord, to come to his presence and come to the sacrifice with me. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons, specifically that family. He wanted to make sure they were permitted and ready to go before the Lord and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, the oldest, and thought, surely... The Lord's anointed stands here before me. This is the guy. He even looks like a king. He walks like a king. He has this leadership style about him that seems to be so attractive. Everybody seems to respond to him like a king. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. See, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. Did you read that? The Lord doesn't take notice of the things everybody else takes notice of. See, people look and take notice of the outward appearance and what they do and how they look and how they respond and all their rewards and all their accolades. But the Lord looks at the heart. Say that with me. The Lord looks at the heart. God's not interested in the finish line you've crossed, men. He's interested in the race you're running. God's not interested or concerned about the results you're going to achieve in life because he's in charge of your results. He's in charge of my results. He can make anybody accomplish anything. But what he can't do is make you hungry to grow. He's looking for men who hunger to keep growing. And Eliab thought he had already arrived, already had the image, taller probably than the rest of his brothers, already has the leadership title, but he doesn't have the heart to grow. That's what God's looking for. And growth... (laughs) Growth takes sacrifice. You can't grow without giving something up. You can't get better without letting go of something. 
There is built into the design of humanity and creation this thing where there has to be pruning in order for the fruit tree to grow more fruit. There has to be shedding in order for the body to get stronger. There has to be, get this, letting go of bad food so I can get healthier with good food. Come on, give me an amen on that. You have to let go of something in your life in order to grow stronger in another area. And how true is that when it comes to the things of God? I didn't know this. I've known this about things like eagles, but I didn't know this about lobsters. Anybody like a little lobster? Did you know that when a lobster grows, it grows to the size of its shell and then it stops growing unless it goes out deeper into the ocean or to the water. It'll actually break off its own shell and make itself vulnerable so it can float around in the water and in the weed and and in the coral and try to protect itself with the coral until this new shell grows around it big enough to grow into. It does this over and over in its life to get bigger. Some of us in this group and some of you watching online, we got to break out of our shell. It's time to do some new. It's time to try and take action because you can't grow if you don't go. And you can't grow if you stay in your old shell. I'm wondering... Who wants to grow with God this summer? God takes notice of people that want to grow. I'll keep moving. God looks for the hunger to go and the hunger to grow. And then here's the last one. He's going to notice it out of a young boy. Something special about this last attribute. So Jesse brought in his oldest Eliab, that wasn't the guy. And then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. And Samuel says, nope, Lord hadn't chosen him either. And then Jesse brings Shema in to pass by and Samuel says, nope, that's not the one either. And Jesse has seven of his sons pass by before Samuel. But Samuel realized, because God's not telling him, God's not pointing this, bring, this man out. He says, nope, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. So finally, Samuel turns to Jesse and says, hang on. Are these all the sons you have? Because remember, God's instruction was, I'm going to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the new king. Well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's out in the fields, tending the sheep. Samuel says, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So they sent for this young boy, David. And he was brought in and he's glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Probably the shortest of the group, pretty much red-faced and red-skinned from all the sunshine, working the fields, pretty dirty, I'm assuming, in this story. And then the Lord says, rise and anoint him. This is the one. Not consecrated, not expected, not the one anybody thought would be anointed, not the one anybody expected, but he's the one. And so Samuel took the horn of oil that he had brought and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. <laughs> I bet those brothers didn't like it so much. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. 
And Samuel went to Ramah. Do you see what God noticed in this story? God noticed Samuel wasn't ready to go, and so he called him to go. That's what God notices in men. God noticed that Eliab wasn't one who wanted to grow, so he said, that's not the guy. I want somebody who's wanting to grow with me. And in this story, at the end of it, you see this third attribute God looks for in a man. Somebody who wants, who hungers to give. What's David doing in this story? He's serving his family in the field. He's caring for the flock assigned to him. He's protecting and caring for those sheep that are the weakest that need to be cared for. He's doing the job instead of wanting the job and the title and the role. He is out there giving of himself instead of expecting to get. <laughs> he hungered to give. And friends, that's what men of God do. They hunger to give and to serve and to grow and to go for the Lord. That's the guy that God's looking for. When others are interested in the party, David was working in the field. When others were looking for the title and rewards, David was looking for the success and the care of his flock. And when the rest of the world is looking for the accolades and the retirement and the golden ticket at the end of the day, God's looking for some men who want to serve. Story that really captured my heart when I saw the movie. I'm not recommending the movie. If you don't like war movies and it's violent, there's language in it. I'm not telling you to go watch this movie, but some of you probably did. It was a movie called We Were Soldiers. True story of Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore, who is leading his group of young men into battle in Vietnam against an enemy that they could not defeat because they didn't know how to fight him. And yet he turns to his young men and his soldiers before they board the plane to go over to Vietnam into this war. And he tells them, listen, guys, I'm telling you the truth. I may not be able to save you and bring you back alive but I will promise you this. I will not leave one of you behind. And I will be the first one on the battlefield and the last one to leave. And that's exactly what Lieutenant Moore did. When the rest of the top brass were calling for Hal Moore to leave the battlefield and leave his soldiers behind because the enemy was closing in on him, he said, absolutely not, threw the radio down, took his force deeper into enemy territory, was able to get out of the battle circle and then be able to defeat the enemy in that battle and save all of his soldiers. Even the ones that perished in the battle, he made sure were on the helicopter before he stepped on it himself. And I love that story because that describes what the men of God are like who serve the Lord. First on the battlefield, last to leave, first to give, last to stop, first ready to serve, last to quit. We're looking, God is looking. Listen, guys, are you listening to me? God is looking for some men who will be the first to fight for his kingdom and the last to stop. And guess what, ladies? 
I'm guessing most of you are looking for that kind of man too. And I would even add this. You don't even have to be a dad to be that. You don't even have to be male. Because God's looking for any man or woman who want to be first for him and not quit till the day is done. Are you hungry? Are you hungry to go for God? Are you hungry to grow with him? Do you hunger to give? What does God want to grow in you this summer? Chris Spielman was an all-pro linebacker for the Detroit Lions and for the Buffalo Bills. The reason I know that isn't because I root for the Buffalo Bills or the Detroit Lions. I root for the 49ers, just saying. But I know the name Chris Spielman because I followed his career when he was at Ohio State playing for my Buckeyes. He was one heck of a linebacker in the pro football. Loved watching him play with a passion and conviction and heart on the field. He was one of those guys when it came to his faith and came to his sportsmanship that he was first on the field and last to leave. But there came a day many years ago in the height of his career where he showed up at the practice field and walked up to his coach and said, I'm retiring. Not because of an injury, not because of a problem with his body, not because he was tired of playing football, but because his wife, Stephanie, was suffering through cancer treatments and she needed help at home. He quit his all-pro football career to be the husband and dad to his family that they needed while she was suffering so much from radiation and chemo. I never forgot that story. While the rest of the world was like, well, there goes a good football player. Who do we look at now? God took notice of a man who hungered enough to be the man of God he needed to be at home. More than the accolades of the gridiron. And if you're one of those people like David, young or old, who feel unnoticed, unappreciated, forgotten, I want you to hear me clearly this Father's Day. God takes notice. He's watching. And he's looking for the men and the women who hunger for more of him. So be one of them. Be a David. <laughs> Be a Samuel. And hunger for more of God. Jesus, thank you for this message out of Samuel's life. It's a message I needed on Father's Day. It's a message all of us men need in a world that wants to get us to quit and to throw in the towel. You're looking for us to keep growing. And I thank you for so many men in my life and men in this room, men in my men watching online that continue to demonstrate a hunger for you no matter what stage of life they're at. 
the examples they are, encourage us all. I thank you for women and leaders, young and old, who do the same. So I pray today we'd learn from this lesson out of Samuel's life to have a heart for you, to have a hunger for more of you, and to let go of the past and let go of the shell of comfort so that you can use us as you see fit. Raise up some young men and women and call the rest of us to serve you with that kind of hunger. Thank you for your love for us and for the empowerment you give us through the gospel and through Jesus. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.